Hey, dear listener, Anthony here. Before we hop into the show, I wanted to let you know about an incredible new resource we just released, The Five Rules of Investing. Dan and I are huge advocates of modeling the behaviors of the people who have done what you hope to do. And who better to model when it comes to investing than legendary investors like Warren Buffett, Howard Marks, and Ray Dalio? This free ebook breaks down the simple time-tested strategies of billionaire real estate investors that you can use to take your investing to the next level. So head over to InvictusMultifamily.com and grab your ebook today. All right, now let's hop into the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we're going to share with you, what do you think, five, six? At least four. We're going to share with you some number of things that can make or break a deal, I guess. Well, deal breakers. Things that would make us run for the hills. And I don't run. Look, if you're watching on YouTube, go to Multifamily Investing Made Simple, uh, where we post all these episodes. Look at these legs. I have shorts on. You can tell these legs are not made for running. Mm -mm. So I don't run for the hills often, but when I do. You can do walking lunges away from (sighs) the problem. Yes. Yes. No sprinting here. I'm made for tilling fertile fields. (laughs) It's not running. But uh, but these these four, five, six, maybe 10 things, some number of things, uh, they will send us running. Oh, let's get into it. Well, (laughs) (laughs) it's funny. You should ask. (laughs) All right. Yeah. So the first thing uh, I got to say is I got a lot of like kind of like CapEx stuff queued up here. Yeah. yeah. We kind of pivoted at the last second with the title. And then I'm going to come up with some other more interesting stuff. At a later date, but one of the big things that we would run from is uh, out-of-date electrical because that is a beast to, um, uh, to, 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 to get up to par. So if we see fuses, that right there, yeah. that's a big hurdle. Or if we see, I want to say it's Northland. What's the name of that brand? Uh, Pacific. Pacific. Something. There's a very specific brand yeah. that if you buy a building that has it, you're going to have a nightmare of a time trying to insure it. it insurance you won't touch basically it. just have to replace yeah. it. And you don't get higher rent for doing it. You get no value other than the fact that you can actually get insurance. Yeah. We, and we've seen, I've seen two properties in our years together with those panels. And each time I was like, ah, that sucks. They're not uncommon, but. but you, you did something with electrical once, right? Is that you or am I thinking of somebody else? Like on one of your earlier properties had to like move the electrical boxes. Yeah, it was somewhere? a five unit. Um, That's right. I can't, I mean, it was a, it was a fuse situation. All the fuses were in the basement. And what we did was we added uh, panels and everyone had their own uh, circuits up. By the, but that was a five unit. So yeah, yeah. It's only. But it's a pain be, in the butt still, right? It's a pain, but it, it also reduced the amount of uh, phone calls we got about fuses going up. And there you go. Because, you know, yes, people knew how to change them, but did they? Could you charge more rent when you're like, you're not going to have to call me so frequently to about no. blown fuses. You're like, no. well, I'll pay more for that. It's kind of like <laughs> the thing you said that your dad used to say. It's like, you don't yeah. get points for taking a shower, but you lose them if you don't. Exactly. It's, it's, that, it's that kind of stuff. Yeah. Pretty much any CapEx item where it's that type of thing. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with it. So like foundation issues, plumbing issues, nobody ever, they don't know, no tenant's going to pay more yeah. for good plumbing. Um, one of the things that will send me for the hills that we were talking right before we went, we started recording was, um, Perpetual vacancies. There's one property that we've seen now for a, a couple of years. We did an episode actually um, very a long time ago called about how to get into a fist fight with a seller. Like we had a seller get very aggressive with us. Verbal fist fight. Verbal fist fight, not a real fist it was fight. A, it was a fist fight on Zoom. Yeah, and he didn't even have the camera on, yeah. but he was very aggressive. And uh, <laughs> this property that was on the market and we made an offer for, this is like three years ago. I don't know. You guys would have to go listen to that episode. That's exactly when it happened. But it's been a while. His properties are still on the market. And what's interesting is that the buildings are actually quite beautiful and they're not in a terrible location, 
But uh, one of them has just perpetual vacancy. And I'm not confident that we would ever be able to turn that or that that particular issue because it's like commercial space on the first floor. I don't think we could do much with it. So whenever I see perpetual vacancy, if I don't think that we can actually do anything with it, yeah, eh, run. And when you see that in a market which otherwise uh, has a really good um, uh, occupancy dynamic to it, like we have right now, mm-hmm. like all of our properties are averaging 97, 98% occupancy. And you see this one that's like 60% occupied. Yeah. You're like, something's going on there. Minneapolis, as an interesting fact, is one of the most, is the most supply constrained city in the in the Midwest. So when you see high vacancy like that on a building in a good, in a, in not the greatest area, but not a bad area in the grand scheme, but um, just high vacancy is like, yeah, something's going on there that you just and there were multiple on this deal. There's it's it, there's always something causing that. In mm. this case, I think there were multiple variables that were contributing to this problem. One, that one could have been management. He over renovated for the area, so the mm. rents he was trying to get were just it didn't make any sense. No parking, all studios. That's right, the parking and a weird, just a weird location. Like it's not, not that great. one's actually. A, I hadn't thought about that, but parking was one. That building is a prime example of don't buy a building that has no parking solution, like not even street parking solution. Like you'd have to park blocks away and walk to your home. Like nobody's going to do that. You're always going to be uphill battle with vacancy. Yeah. It was a tough one. And you know, no surprise over three years, no one, no one bought it. Nobody's touching it. Strange. Yeah. What else you got? What else is going to say? Well, I guess kind of piggybacking on that. uh, Just if, if we are looking at a potential acquisition and we get a vibe or somebody clues us in that, Hey, this guy who's selling it, um, not going to be great to work with. Um, even if there is potentially a good deal there, if there's somebody that we would not want to transact with either because they are sketchy, we don't trust them, or they've got a reputation for always being on the right side of the deal and where everyone <laughs> they transact with is on the, not the right side, we would probably exit just because we want to work with people that we like. Ideally, we know to some degree, but at least trust. Here's a really interesting side of this too, is a couple of years ago, we were looking at a portfolio from a guy who had a very bad reputation here in the Twin Cities, like very as bad as it gets. And I'm not going to name names, but he's not even allowed Locals to own properties know. in now the Twin know. Cities. Yeah, now they know. <laughs> um, and we were looking at this portfolio, and the buildings were great. Areas were great. However, they had the stigma of this person's name attached to them still. You know, you go and you buy it, and people are like, oh, is that, that was, that's a so-and-so property. And it's, residents aren't going to be thinking that necessarily, but like the, there was, there's still an amount of stigma within the community of like, oh, that's a so-and-so thing. And sometimes it's just not worth touching that stuff because your reputation kind of gets glommed on like, oh, you now own those buildings from that person. Maybe yeah. you're also kind of slummy. Yeah. I mean, if you have to bend over backwards to make it really obvious that there's new management or new ownership, that might be a hint that it's going to be an uphill battle. Maybe not a bad deal, but... It's going to be like swimming upstream, I think. Yeah, yeah um, for sure. Uh, otherwise, area. Yeah. Great-looking property. The numbers look great on a spreadsheet. The building might look beautiful, but if you are in an area that is just trending the wrong direction, population declining, uh, demand declining, or just extremely crime. high crime, like these are things where it's like, hey, this looked great in a spreadsheet. Now that I'm here, uh, it doesn't feel good. We've, we've looked at a few like that where it's like, Ugh, this block, this this intersection, this, the vibe's wrong, just bad area. And I don't know about you, but my first property was definitely in an area where in hindsight, like 100%. now, I would not go there. 
at the time it was where you needed to go to get started, right? Well, but, I think the the price point to a newbie, yeah. like you're going to find the price point that you can justify a lot easier in the hood. Yep. So that's where you got to start. So you'll learn a lot. Pack in your bad heat. neighborhoods. Yeah, but as um, soon as you can, you want to you want to graduate graduate away from yeah, that. <laughs> but you made money on your first deal. Yeah, I made money on my first deal. So there's there's money to be made in those places, right? Like just more headaches than are necessary. Yeah. Just don't expect it to be passive, and you'll be fine. No, there's going to be problems. You there's going to be sleep. Teams. There's going to be sleepless nights. Uh, or no, you had bounty hunters. Bounty hunters uh, pretending to be SWAT, which I cannot believe is not like a felony. <laughs> I don't know, Anyhow. man. <laughs> Any other, any other things that would send you running? Hmm. Probably. Um, I think up there alongside the electrical for me is plumbing. Mainly because like plumbing is, is this invisible thing that you can't really yeah. see where all it's going wrong. So yeah, I would say the, the CapEx stuff that, that needs to be done, but you don't necessarily get rewarded for in the form of higher income uh, new roof, new windows, electrical, new plumbing, new boiler. Mm-hmm. Like those things are like, ugh. like at least with like the boiler and, um, you know, maybe a little bit with the windows, you might see some more efficiencies mm-hmm. in your utilities. You definitely will with the boiler, but by and large plumbing, electrical roof, like that stuff, it's, it's gotta be done. It's a pain in the neck, super expensive, but no one's going to pay you higher rent because there's, there's a new roof. If if I have to choose, there's there's certain ones of those capex that I'm more okay with, like the roof, windows, boiler, more okay with because those are usually fairly easy to know exactly what you're getting into mm-hmm. from the beginning. Plumbing and electrical, yeah, it's very common to like crack open the wall and then realize, oh my god, this is way worse than we ever thought it was going to be. Especially plumbing, yeah. Electrical, I think it's uh, there's probably going to be less surprises, but plumbing, especially in old buildings, it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's tough to say. Oh, I'm going to, you know, replace this stack, and then it's just next thing you know. No, I had a plumbing issue on my very first building that took me a year to solve, and it was a good lesson in the fact that plumbing issues are very hard to fix sometimes. Yeah, very very hard to fix. So ideally, that's not one of the things you have to yeah. <laughs> stay away from that. Anyway, okay, so those are some things. As you guys can tell, not much will send us running. We're, we we hold our ground. Yeah. But uh, those, those are definitely a few things to keep in mind as you're out there doing the things that you do. So that's going to do it for us. Make sure that you do the thing that you, you know, told us you were going to do. Leave a review. Leave a review. You told oh. you told us that. Yeah, oh, I'm just I'm, I'm just repeating what your words to me. You made the commitment, so... Weird, they said they'd do it, but they haven't done it yet. Yeah, what? Still? Let's unpack that, but let's do it on the next episode (laughs) after you leave a review now, and we'll see you then, so... Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Multifamily Investing Made Simple. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a massive favor? Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Your feedback, it means the world to us as it helps us grow and spread the word about multifamily investing. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So fire this episode over to any friends or family who you think could benefit from learning all about multifamily investing. Thanks, guys. We appreciate every single one of you, and we'll see you on the next show.